The world is becoming a healthier place, and there are actions we can take to improve things still further. That's the basic conclusion of a conference that's been held in Seattle and published in the Lancet Medical Journal on global health metrics and evaluation. The London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine's Professor of Public Health, Martin McKee, was one of the key speakers, and I asked him to explain what findings and ideas the conference had come up with. To begin with, what was the conference trying to do? Well, in simple terms, we could perhaps say that it was an attempt to describe the health of the population of the world and to relate that health to things that people do: policies, interventions, health systems. It sounds a bit of a big task to take on. This was an enormous task. If we think back fifteen years ago, there was what. Alan Lopez at the University of Queensland described as a scandal of ignorance. We really knew very little about the health of the population outside the high-income industrialised countries. There were large parts of the world where we had no data on people being born and their lives and when they died. That was recognised in the Global Burden of Disease that was published about a decade ago, and、uh, that has set in train an enormous exercise to accumulate. This information. So, what was the point of this conference?、Uh, measuring and evaluating health. It was partly about measuring health because there are many challenges involved in capturing the births, the deaths, and the, the reasons that people die in many parts of the world,、uh, where there is very limited infrastructure. We think of large parts of sub-Saharan Africa, but not just there parts of Latin America, Southeast Asia, and so on. But the second element was evaluation because health system changes are being put in place. Health policy changes are being put in place, and we know very little about what they mean in terms of saving lives. So the point is, if you know what is causing people to be ill or to lose their life, then you can take action about it. But you also need to evaluate whether that action is effective. That's absolutely right, because we need to know the major reasons why people are dying prematurely or being disabled to work out what policies we would like to put in place. Equally, we need to know how those death rates, those disability rates, are changing to know whether the policies we've put in place have been effective. I want to ask you about your own presentation in a minute, but first, I know there's some quite interesting things from Zambia. Can you tell me what Una Campbell was saying about this? Yes, there was some fascinating work there. Much of the attention, the research that's been conducted about maternal health worldwide, has looked at maternal mortality rates, the death rates among、uh, women of reproductive age.、Uh, Una was reminding us that. We need to look beyond that to look at the facilities that are in place.、Uh, we have some data on facilities and on healthcare inputs. We know about numbers of doctors and nurses and hospitals, but we know much less about what actually happens in the facilities and what the health professionals do. But isn't a, a nurse a nurse, a doctor a doctor, and a health system a health system? Don't they all work well? That would be great if they were, but in fact, there's an enormous difference in terms of the、uh, level of training,、uh, in terms of what a hospital can do.、Uh, In fact, there's a lovely quotation from an Irish travel writer, Dervla Murphy, who describes coming across a hospital in Pakistan which had a sign saying "closed at weekends, closed at feast days," and so on. And she said, "This isn't a hospital; it's a statistic."、Uh, so there are、uh, there's an enormous diversity between a, a small village hospital in sub-Saharan Africa and perhaps a massive teaching hospital in Western Europe. But judging from the experience from Zambia. 
what sorts of factors have emerged that tell you how to better organise your health system? Well, there has certainly been evidence uh, from the work in Zambia and other work on maternal uh, mortality of the, the need for effective care and particularly the need to have people with the skills to do things like manual removal of placentas, blood transfusion, which is really quite a challenge to organise in many low-income settings, the, abil- the availability of drugs that can contract the, the womb after delivery and which can treat infections. There are many health facilities in the world, unfortunately, that cannot yet provide those relatively basic interventions. Then there was a, a piece from uh, Dr. Bayard Roberts about uh, mortality data. What's the importance of that? What, what exactly was that all about? Yes, Bayard Roberts is one of my colleagues who's been working in post-conflict zones. He's been struggling with the challenge of tracking rates of mortality in refugee camps. These are very difficult environments in which to work. As you might imagine, there are mobile populations. Uh, people are often very frightened. They may even be under threat of attack uh, as the uh, studies are being undertaken. He did work at looking in four different countries, Thailand, Afghanistan, uh, Tanzania, and uh, Uganda, and uh, Malawi, and uh, he was able to look at the different methods of trying to track the levels of mortality. But does that help you learn how to do something about it? It provides much better information to uh, track the rates of mortality. And if you can do that, then you can begin to understand what policies you can put in place to reduce death rates in these very vulnerable populations. Now, I understand that Michelle Coleman had some more news about cancer survival. What did you hear? Michelle was, um, and his colleagues from the United States, were presenting information on the enormous increase in data on uh, cancer survival from cancer registries. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, we had cancer registries in a handful of high-income countries, and now that has spread much more widely. Uh, he was able to show we have now 140 cancer registries reporting centrally from 50 countries, many of which are now in low- and middle-income countries. A remarkable achievement. We tend to think of cancer as being the big problem in developed countries, but from what you're saying, this is also a massive thing in low- and middle-income countries. Well, it certainly is, and of course we shouldn't forget that some cancer cancers have an infective origin, so cancers like liver cancer caused by viral hepatitis, uh, cancers like uh, cervical cancer uh, caused by the human papillomavirus are major causes in developing countries anyway. But we are seeing with the reduction in deaths from infectious diseases and ageing populations that the cancers we associate uh, with in the West are now being seen in large numbers in many poor countries. Now this is all about what might be called avoidable mortality and I know that's exactly what you were talking about. Can you tell me what you had to say in Seattle about the future of health systems and how you can avoid mortality? I was uh, asked to talk about future directions in assessing health systems. We have been doing quite a lot of work looking at the causes of death and how they might relate to healthcare. Clearly, it's not very helpful just to look at overall mortality uh, in, the, in, this, in these circumstances because there are lots of reasons why people die, and ultimately, with older people, everyone has to die from something. So we've been tracking those specific causes of death that are attributable to health care. For example, diabetes. No one should die from diabetes under the age of 50, uh, for example. People should no longer be dying from appendicitis or from gallbladder disease. Uh, we can do a great deal, and we have done a great deal, to reduce the death rate from heart attacks, for example. Death rates have fallen by over 50% in Western countries. Uh, so what we can do is look at those types of death, those causes of death. We typically do so in the age group under 75 because 
eventually people do have to die from something, but also because over that age it's rather more difficult to say that there was a single cause of death and we've been able to track performance in different countries. So the point then, if if I'm understanding this correctly, is you take care of all of the, those things you know definitely can be done to save life, mm-hmm. then that will free you up to go on to look at the more difficult things which could perhaps save millions more lives. Well, we, of course there are many other things we can tackle in terms of prevention, but the real um, advantage of deaths amenable to healthcare is that it allows us to understand how well the healthcare system is performing or is not performing in some cases. And that, as you said, is is all important. That is very important because we see in the United Kingdom, for example, over the last 10 years when there's been increased spending in the National Health Service, there have been tremendous improvements. Uh, Deaths from amenable mortality have fallen faster than almost any other uh, country, whereas in the United States, which has been struggling to reform its healthcare system, we see that deaths from amenable mortality have hardly changed at all. They've been improved a very, very slight extent and that they now lag even further behind uh, the, the rest of the industrialised world than they did before. Right, so this was the Global Health Metrics and Evaluation conference and I believe quite a number of people were very pleased with it but what could you pull together as one or two of the the take-home messages from the conference? Well one of uh, my colleagues Richard Horton the editor of The Lancet uh, said on Twitter that this was a conference that gave him him faith in the future of humanity and I think that uh, summarizes the enthusiasm with which uh, which a lot of people took away from the conference. Here we had 600 people who have been working together over the last 10-15 years to try to fill this gap in terms of the knowledge of the the health of the world and they had made remarkable achievements Uh, going back to where we were then looking at where we are now the the change has been amazing uh, in terms of trying to capture uh, the the lives of individuals, trying to understand what has been happening and also to look at the tremendous progress that has been made in reducing avoidable deaths. So the world really can become a healthier place? The world is becoming a healthier place, but more importantly, uh, we're now able to measure that, which we weren't able to do before. Martin McKee, Professor of European Public Health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine talking to me about the conference on global health metrics and evaluation held in Seattle. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.